Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. In this message, Brandon Williams announces one of the biggest things to ever happen to Connection Church. He explains how this opportunity is just another empty jar that God can fill. So today we're going to be uh, in 2 Kings chapter 4. And, uh, you know, it's like I told the 9 o'clock service. For some reason, knowing the secret and you not knowing the secret gives me a sense of control and power. So I'm just going to keep it a little bit longer, if that's all right. I mean, I know that's probably not a good thing, but, you know, it kind of, yeah, I kind of like that. So we're going to let you know about it at some point um, when you maybe least expect it. So uh, it's going to be a good, a good thing. One thing we do want to make sure you hear is next week is, um, you know, the 13th through the 20th of spring break. So we're not going to have the the, third, uh, the 1245 service on those two Sundays. So if you come at 1245, we won't be here. Um, but uh, we'd love to have you come pray or whatever you'd like to do at that time. But um, we're going to be gone. So be here at uh, either 9 or 1045 the next two Sundays. We'll start that back up um, in a couple of weeks on the 27th. This is what I want to do, though. We're going to jump into 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, we're doing this one message called Empty Jars. And the reason this thing has been on my heart for about two months. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where everywhere you looked, everything you listened to, everything you heard was about a certain scripture. And so finally, after about the 10th time I heard this scripture, I was like, maybe God's trying to tell me something through these scriptures. And so I went and I started reading them and studying them and uh, just looking at these scriptures. And so I want to share what the Lord has put on my heart. I shared it with our staff a couple of weeks ago. And I just believe it is really a timely word for us. These scriptures really are, are uh, for us right now, I believe, as a church body and us as individuals. So I want to share this with you. Before I do, I want to pray and I just ask God to bless his word. And then we're going to jump in. Um, Father. So thankful for uh, just the opportunity to share your word, Lord, to share your heart, to share your vision. I pray, God, that you uh, would just take this time, use it to um, change our lives, use it to move us in greater steps of faith to give you greater opportunity. Lord, we love you and we thank you. You are um, so good to us. And I pray that we can never forget that, that we never uh, take that for granted. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, how many of you have ever been really desperate? Like, like, you know, we all said this before, like, I'm starving to death. But, you know, most of us have probably never been in a situation where we're actually starving to death. I talked to somebody this morning who said they were actually in a position at one point in their life where they were so desperate, they would go into the grocery store, get a grocery cart, walk around the grocery store, put groceries in it, eat them while they were in the grocery store, put the cart up, and leave. That's desperate. That is really desperate. I think I've shared this with you before, but one summer I was playing baseball in Augusta, and if you have heard this, just act like you haven't. Um, but I was, I was playing baseball in Augusta, and this guy was riding with me because he didn't have any way to get to a, back into from Augusta, and so I'd pick him up, take him to Augusta. One day after practice, he said, hey, man, run me by the grocery store. Let me get something to eat real quick. I said, okay. And I pulled up to the front of the grocery store to let him out. He said, just wait right here. Oh, I'll go park. No, just wait. Just sit right here. I was like, all right. And so I'm sitting there. And, and then he goes in the grocery store, he, he comes out, and he doesn't have anything. And he was wearing, the, you know how we used to wear the old school jogging pants? And you remember, guys, how we used to pull them up, like, almost to our knee, and we'd push our socks down, and then we'd have the cut-off T-shirt? Well, this is kind of back in those days um, where, we, where we wore those kind of things. And, uh, and, and he comes out with the old school jogging pants on, and he's got nothing in his hands. like, dude, what are you doing? you got no food. What are you... I thought you were getting something to eat. I've been sitting out here for 10 minutes and you've got no food. And he reaches down in his jogging shorts or jogging pants and he pulls out this assorted meat from the deli section of the grocery store. And he's like, just drive. 
I'm like, what? You, you, you didn't steal. Just, just go, man. Just go. I'm like, did you steal that? He's like, yeah. And so, and I was going to be like, his mom would be like, you take that back in there and tell him what you did. And he was like, no, just go. And I'm like, Whoa! and so then I'm driving the getaway car. Right. And so we're riding back from Augusta. He's just lunch. He's just snacking on lunch meat. And, uh, but he looks at me, he's like, you know, desperate times call for drastic measures. And I'm like, yeah, but not if it gets me in jail. It, you know, it doesn't. And he's like, you want someone like, no, I don't want any of your stolen meat. Right? But he was desperate. Um, how many of you have ever been desperate for God to do something, man? You're just in a situation where if God didn't show up, man, that's how I feel every week. Every Sunday morning, I'm in there and it's like, it's not hard to be dependent on God when you're scared, you know, because I'm like, oh God, please just do something, you know, just, just show up, God, just be, just do something. And, and I say all that to say, I believe that's where this lady is in 2 Kings chapter 4. This is an incredible story, but, but we're going to see a woman who is in absolute desperation. I think if there had been like a Walmart superstore, she would have gone in and been willing to steal whatever it it would have taken in order for her to get herself out of this predicament. But instead of doing that, she turns to God and God begins to restore her life and restore um, her family. Listen to this. We'll read the first verse and then we're going to jump in and, and look at this. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Elisha was a prophet to the people of Israel, God's children. It says, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. She's she's in this situation where her creditor is actually coming to take her sons and make them slaves. In other words, there was a debt that she could not pay. And because she could not pay that debt, there were people coming to take her children and put them into slavery to pay back the debt that her husband had accumulated. How horrible would that be? I mean, this woman is in a desperate, desperate situation. I mean, the stakes are high. I mean, this is, if something doesn't happen, she's going to lose the only family she's got left. Her children. I mean, if you got kids, you know how horrible that would be for somebody. I mean, what if the IRS walked into your house and said, you didn't pay your taxes, I'm taking your kids. First of all, we'd have a fight, right? I mean, but second of all, I mean, it would be horrible. It'd be horrible. And this woman is in a desperate situation because of a debt that she couldn't pay. How many of y'all have ever written a check and you knew if you didn't beat the check to the bank, it wasn't going to cash? Y'all don't lie to me. Y'all have done that. We've all done that. We've written checks and we're like, man, I got to get that thing. If I don't get to the bank before that check, man, it is going to bounce like a spalding basketball. You know what I'm saying? And it's just going, it's not going to be good. I'm going to end up paying all this money because of all this, 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 you know, these late fee or these uh, um, return check fees, all these things. And, and you know, the, here's the thing where we're at spiritually. We've got a debt that we can't pay. We can't write a check big enough to pay for our spiritual debt. The problem for us a lot of times is we don't realize how spiritually poor we really are. We don't real we got so much stuff around us and we can be so comfortable at times. We don't realize how desperate we really are for God to move and for God to do something. We don't realize that if God didn't show up on our behalf to pay our debt, then we'd be in trouble. I want to read this to you out of um, Romans chapter four. Just real quick, beginning in verse 18. It says, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. 
Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were not written for him alone, but also for who? For us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who were raised... who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Listen, it was credited to him. Abraham was an old man. God said, you're going to have a child. He's like, I don't even know how this is going to happen, but God, I'm just going to trust you. And what did God do? He credited righteousness to his account. Listen, our spiritual bank account is so, it is so, so, so empty That the only way we can get to a place where our spiritual bank account is able to cover our debt is through Christ. It is the riches of Jesus Christ. And the thing I want you to understand is that this is why we do what we do. This is why we have church. is so that people who don't know Christ can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. That they can come to a place where they recognize, listen, my debt has been paid and I'm going to place my faith. I'm going to put my trust, not in what I can do, not in the check I can make, not if I can work harder. I'm going to put my faith and my trust in the one who died for me, who took the wrath, who took the punishment, who took the death, who came back to life, who sits at the right hand of the father, makes intercession for me so that now my debt can be paid. My account can be full. And so that I can live in peace with God. That's why we do what we do. That's it. That is why. Last week we had, we had, uh, we had four people who gave their life to Christ last week. It was awesome. You know, in the last three weeks, we've had 12 people come to know Christ. 12 people. That is incredible. But you know what, guys? I believe that is the tip of the iceberg. So many times we're so disillusioned to think everybody around us is a Christian. And they're not. They're not. About 30 to 35% of the people in Statesboro, Georgia, in Bullock County, are actually Christians and churched. That's a low number. That means there are a bunch of people who need to know Jesus. And if we believe what we say that we believe, that if you don't know Christ, that he is the only way to heaven, then there ought to be a desperation in us to tell other people about the love of Christ. That's why we do what we do, is so that people can come to know him. That's why we, we celebrate the fact that last week four people came to know Christ. And I want to tell you, it was so awesome. I'm up here and I'm just praying and I'm just, just saying, you know, if you've never accepted him as your Lord, you've never said, I want to know Jesus, I want to know God, then stand up. And I was just about, the first time, I was just about to go to the next thing. And this girl stands up and she's weeping and I'm just like, oh my gosh. I was like, oh, I I wanted to just go through the room. I thought I was literally going to explode because that was why we do what we do. It's to see people come to know him. That's why we do everything. That's why we have children's ministry so that they can come to know Christ at an early age. I don't believe this. I, I don't, listen, I do not believe the lie from hell that our children have to serve the devil so that then they can come back to God. I don't believe that for one second. I don't believe it. We do, we, we do children's ministry so that children can come to know Christ at an early age. We, we have Sunday morning ministry so that people can come in and hear the word of God. We have discipleship groups so that those who come to know Christ can, can go deeper with him. 
We do missions because we want to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. All of this is so that people can come to know Christ. That's why we do what we do. And because of that, we're going to do this. Check this out. That's where we're going, church. <clears throat> That's our next step. Man, I got goosebumps from head to toe. Listen, this is going to be so awesome. Why are we doing this? Because it gives us room. That's exactly why we're doing it. We're going to have something we have not had in a long time. And that's room at a 1045 service where people who are far from God are most likely to come and, and, and hear about the word of God. We're going to go from 300 seat maximum capacity and don't tell the fire marshal about that, right? To 1,150 seats. An opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. Listen to this. Everything is going to be better because we are going to have better children's facilities. We are going to have more room for kids. We're going to have more room for adults. We're going to have more room for youth. We're going to have more room for college students. We are going to be able to reach so many more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is going to be unbelievable. Man, it, I, and I just believe that, that God's big enough to do this, that when we start worshiping in the high school, it could just totally change the entire high school. You know what I mean? That we're going to bring the presence of God into a public school because they're going to allow us. We're going to be paying them rent. We're going to be going and doing, and we're going to bless them as they're blessing us. That is so awesome. And, and we're going to be able to have this opportunity. Listen, over the next 42 days, I think it is, we're going to kick this off April 17th. Sunday morning, April 17th, we're going to have a 1045 service. It's going to be, we're, we are going to have five to 600 people worshiping in one service. That is going to be awesome. I mean, we're, we're going to bring everybody together and we are going, they may have to call Sean Corbett to come in and do roof repairs because we're going to blow the roof off of that place. It is going to be awesome. I just believe this. Listen, every time we have given God opportunity to move and during that, that 1045 time, what's he done? He's moved. What have we seen? People come to know Christ. We're going to give him opportunity. We're going to give him room to move. It's going to be, listen, the next 42 days we're doing this thing called Elevate. We are elevating everything we do at Connection Church. We've finally been able to add the staff we need. It's almost like if you think about a boat with cracks in it, you've got to fill those holes so that water doesn't leak in. And, and, and we're filling in cracks. We're, we're going to start training volunteers better. We're going to start doing children's ministry better. We're going to do youth ministry better. We're, we're taking it all to the next level. We're going to elevate Jesus higher so that he can draw more people to himself. That's why we're doing it. You know, and, and here's the thing. I've heard people say this before. Well, y'all just trying to be a big church. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because 65% of the people in Bullock County don't know Jesus. That's why. And we're not apologizing for that. We want to reach people for Christ. And we want to see them grow deeper in Jesus. Not unapologetic. And here's the good news for you. It is going to create opportunities, more serving opportunities. It's going to create opportunities for you to be able to invite people to church. How many of you have a lot of luck when you say, um, you would come to church with me this Sunday? And they say, yeah, what time? Nine o'clock. They're like, um, um, you know what? I think, um, uh, I think I would, um, man, I got to feed the chickens and I got to bathe the dog. And you know what I'm saying? You're going to be able to invite. It's an incredible opportunity for us to be able to reach people for the cause of Christ. 
And so we're going to be able to see more, more and more people coming to know Jesus and seeing people worship him. And people, just a church that's crazy out of their mind, boiling hot, as Milan said, for Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do. Listen, April 17th is Palm Sunday. This is going to be so awesome, guys. This is going to be so cool. Listen, last year we went from like 120, 130 people to 260 on Palm Sunday. All year long I've been thinking, we couldn't do that again. If God wanted to do that again, we couldn't do that. We don't have anywhere to put anybody. And now we do. Now we do. Now God can bring people. We can tell, tell them the gospel. We can share it. On April 17th, we're going to meet at 1045. And from that Sunday, we're going to meet at 1045. We're, on April 17th, we're going to have lunch. We're going to have um, that covered. Y'all remember those covered dish dinners we used to do? Man, was that awesome or what? We're going to have covered it. We got the cafeteria rented out. We're going we're gonna to eat. We're going to fellowship. We're going to have an awesome time after the service. We're going to celebrate that day um, just what God's doing, what he's going to do, and begin to look ahead at, at, at the future of, of connection and what the kingdom of God is going to become because of the opportunities he's creating for us. So we're going to get to do that. April 7th, we're also kicking off a new series called Lies of Religion. Listen, I believe there's so many lies in the church today that we have bought into. We're going to be just going through some of those things and unmasking the lies of religion so that we can truly begin to see who Jesus is and so that your friends can begin to see who Jesus really is, so that your family members can begin to see who Jesus is. I mean, you know, the church has hurt the church worse than anything. That's right. And we're going to begin to try to just unmask that and show people, listen, this is who Jesus is, not who our culture has tried to tell us it is. And so we're going to do that. But listen to this. I want to keep going through 2 Kings 4 and, and, and just begin to look at what I believe God's brought us into is this season of, of opportunity, this season where he's going to do some incredible things. One of the things we're going to do on April 3rd, part of this Elevate um, deal is, is we're going to take up a special off- offering. It's going to be an opportunity to give. We're going to be, be doing some things. We're going to be elevating to a new level of ministry. It's going to take resources. We're going to give you an Listen, there will be plenty of opportunities for you to sink your teeth in to the vision that God's given us, for you to come alongside and begin to run with the vision that God's given this church and that he's given his people. And we're going to continue to share the love and the, the mercy of Jesus um, in this new location. Listen to this. I want to read verse 2 to you out of uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. This is the second thing I want you to, to hear today. Listen, first is that we've got a debt we can't pay. The second is this. God is the best there's ever been at taking and making something from nothing. Have y'all ever seen that? Some of y'all's lives are testimonies to that, where you were nothing and God made you something, right? You, your life was in shambles. My life was in shambles and God came. He made my life something out of nothing. And God is the best. Here's the thing that I realized. This woman had just a little bit of oil, but when God intervened into the situation, you begin to see the situation beginning to change. You begin to see things beginning to happen. Absolutely incredible. That He said, what do you have? And she's like, I don't have anything but a little oil. The thing that we need to realize is this. When we take the little bit that we have and place it in the hands of the holy God who created everything from nothing, how many of you know that equals an abundance? That equals an abundance. The little bit we have in the hands of the God who created everything from nothing by speaking. Come on. Like I couldn't say cheeseburger. It wouldn't, it's not like the, the, 
it's not like, what is this? Is it this um, State Farm commercial? Yeah, it's not like that. Where you're like, you know, jacuzzi. One day we were watching TV and that, that commercial came on and they're going through that whole commercial and the ball comes through the window and he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And, and the lady pops in. And then, uh, and then it goes on and, you know, they get the sandwich and then they get the girl from like 3E or whatever it was. And then the guy goes, can I get a hot tub? And the hot tub pops in the floor. And, and the rest of the week, Jackson, my four-year-old, was going around going, can I get a hot tub? And he was just walking around the whole time. But, you know, I can't do that. I can't speak something into, from, you know, from nothing. But God can. God can, and God does, and God did. He created everything we see by speaking. We take that little bit that we have, the little bit of life we've got, and put it in the hands of God. He can, it becomes an abundance, and we're going to see that in this woman's life. Man, you know, sometimes you can start getting, like, prideful. Anybody ever struggle with pride? You, you kind of start getting, like, where you, you know, you just feel pride creeping up. And, and, and man, when, when all this stuff started happening, I was like, man, this is awesome. And you kind of start feeling like, wow, what's God doing? And then I was like, I recognized it quickly because the one thing that I have seen God do in my life is Anytime I started to become prideful, he just knocked my knees out from under my legs. And I'm like, bam! I was like, okay. And then after about a hundred times, you start realizing, like, okay, that's what's triggering that, you know, um, is pride. And so I, I, I would, uh, I started recognizing that, started feeling that, started kind of recognizing that. And so we were over at the high school the other day looking at the auditorium. And we're walking around. And for eight months, guys, eight months since before school started back, I've been bellyaching going, God, we don't have any room. What are we going to do, God? Are you listening to me, God? What are we going to be doing three services back to back to back? I don't know how long we can do that. We're killing. God, don't you know? And for eight months, like God's up there taking a nap or something. Like I've got to wake him up. I'm like, God, don't you know what's going on? Don't you see? And, and then, and so I'm bellyaching about not having enough room. We were at the auditorium the other day and we're walking out. And we're walking past 1,150 seats. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh. And I had this new feeling. I said, Joey. I was with Joey Fennel. I said, Joey, you think it's going to be too empty? And then it hit me. And I was like, man, I am a great man of faith, aren't I? For eight months, I bellyached about us not having any room. And then the next thing I know, I'm going, you think it's going to be too empty? Is it, or is it going to look like nobody's here? What, what do you? And I'm like, shut up. Because the thing that I've realized, man, is that when you'll give God an opportunity, listen, this is the thing I want you to carry away from here today, and this is true in church, this is true in your personal life, is that bold steps of faith create opportunity for God to move. Bold steps of faith create opportunity for God to move. Listen, I don't know how this thing's going to turn out. I don't know. Reality is, every one of y'all can say, man, I don't think I like the high school. I don't like schools. I got a phobia of schools. I don't know. But my belief is that God is going to blow our minds. That's what I'm believing. And I'm, I am willing to take a bold step of faith to give opportunity for God's kingdom to have a greater impact. And that's what we're going to do. Listen to this. Verse, number, verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you, behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put one to the side. Listen to that. It says, don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. I believe that one of the things that hinders Christians from getting, and myself included, from getting to the place that God wants us to get is our mind. 
our minds so many times will not let us get to the place that God wants to take us. And he's saying right here, he's like, listen, God, God doesn't want you to collect a few jars. Go get a bunch of jars. Go, go get, don't just get a few of them, get a bunch of them. And she goes and she brings all these jars back. She brings all these jars back for God. And, and, and she's not even, even sure exactly what's going on. He, she just knows God said for me to go and get a bunch of jars so that he can begin to fill them up. I think one of the problems we have, church, is listen, we, we don't give God enough jars to fill up. In our personal lives, we wonder why God's not moving. It's because we're never taking a step of faith. We wonder why we can't have love and joy and peace and patience and all those things that God promises. And for so many people, it's because we've never taken really a step of faith to say, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior, and I'm going to trust and follow you. Here's my life. This is the first jar you need to fill up. That's where it starts, is when we truly say, God... I am an empty vessel. I recognize that, that my debt has cleaned out my spiritual bank account. Now I need you to fill up this jar so that we can go fill up some more. And I believe there's people in churches, there are people probably here today who have never said, God, I truly want you to fill me up from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm an empty jar without you. Fill my life. And we begin to ask. I wonder if the things we ask God for insult him. You think? Do, do, the, do the, the size of our request, are they really worthy of Jesus dying on the cross? Are the that size of the things that we ask for the, for the kingdom of God to, to, to see the kingdom of God move and do, are they really worthy of Jesus dying on the cross? Because I believe this, call me crazy, but I believe God wants his church to grow. I don't believe that there is a church in Scripture that got commended because they just went deeper. Because you can't go deeper without going out. You can't. I, I believe that if you read the book, just read the first six chapters of Acts. They went from 120 to over 20,000. And you know what? I realize, man, there's a lot of infrastructure that has to take place when people begin to come to Christ. That's why we got Brian. That's why we got Kim. That's why we got you. It's so that we can support the fruit. You ever seen grapevines grow? You have to put like wires up along the, the, the like a, between two um, fences or trees or something like that, and they have to grow. And why do they have to do that? Because they've got to have something to grow. They can't grow and support themselves. And if the fruit gets down in the mud, it ends up rottening and it's no good. And I believe this, the church has got to be able to support with infrastructure the fruit that God produces. And we're working to do that. But I believe God wants his church to grow. I believe God wants to see people coming to know him. And we've got to continue individually, listen, saying, okay, I'm going to give God an empty jar with my life. God, I'm willing to continue to take steps of faith so that you can use me to do incredible things. We've got to be willing as a church to say, okay, God, here's an empty jar. Use this, God. Use it. Fill it up. We'll, do, we'll, we'll lay it all on the line, God, just to see you do something that we cannot take credit for. That's where we're at. That's what we're going to do. Listen to this. Verse 4. Read this one again. It says, Then go inside and shut the doors behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. Next thing I want to ask you is this. this is, or I want to tell you, listen, past successes give you courage for the future. 
past successes give you courage for the future. Did you catch the one line in there? He said, fill them up and then put it to the side. You know, I got to think that every time she reached for a jar, she reached for it and she sat it down and she began to try to pour the oil. There had to be a thought in her mind that went, what if God doesn't fill this one up? You know, you ever done that where you've seen God do something in your life and then you get to a point and go, oh no. What if God doesn't do it this time? And I have to think, though, that she was able, even though she had set the ones to the side, she was able to take, look at the empty jar, look at the ones that are to the side and go, you know what? These full jars give me confidence to know that God will continue to do what he's been doing. That God is going to continue to do what he's been doing. So many times we, we don't look at what God's already done to have courage to go forward. Listen, if you're sitting here today and you have breath and you have life, God has done something in your life. He's done something for you. Take courage to know that he's on the throne. Take courage to know that he's the one pouring the oil. That that you can move forward because God is going to do things if we'll take bold steps of faith and give God opportunity. He wants to continue to pour out the oil, to pour out his favor, to pour out the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can do things. When I look back at the jars from this church, I look back and, and I think about November 17th, a Tuesday night when we started at my house with 11 people. I th- yeah, no, 12 people because the next week we had 13. We were blowing up already. It's almost 10% growth. And I look at my living room, and you know, my living room was pretty full, and we decided we're going to the pond. We went to the pond. You know what? By the time we left there, we had like 35, 40 people. Pond house packed out, singing to a MacBook computer. That does not even make sense. We come over here. We meet in this side over here. It fills up. We go over here. We, we redo this side. You know, it, it fills up. We knock down walls. We come over. It, it, it fills up. And I'm looking at it going, maybe there's a trend here. Maybe there's a trend. And when we begin to move forward and we start, listen, I will be preaching this message to myself until April 17th. I promise you. I promise you. But I've got to look back at my life and the empty jars that God's already filled up so that I can have confidence to move forward so that I don't just get stuck and say, I don't know if I can take the next step of faith. But when I look back at what God's already done, it gives me confidence to move forward and go confidently with God and have courage and take bold steps of faith so that God can do what only God can do. Bold steps of faith to give God opportunity to move. I have that same scripture. This is the flip side of that. Listen. This is the flip side. The other problem is if you're never willing to set the full jar to the side. Because I guarantee you we've been there too. Every one of us. Where God did something and we want to look at it and stay there forever. Hello, salvation for about 99% of Christians. Well, I got saved. Woo! And we keep that jar in front of us. And we never take the next step so that God can actually use us and do the things he wants us to do. We never really grow deeper with God so that there's a fire in our hearts so that we can begin to move forward and keep going and, and be used by God. We, we just look at that same jar over and over again. And that would be really easy for us to do. That would be really easy for us to look at those jars and go, well, look at what God's done. Woohoo! And just sit there and, and just, just praise our, our jars. It's not the jars that deserve our praise. It's Jesus. 
He's the one that's worthy. He's the one that pours out the oil. He's the one that gives the Holy Spirit. He's the one that causes things to move and shake and be done. And that's what we need to be praising. We've got to move the one jar to the side. So many times our successes will cause us to be stuck in the same place because we're not willing to move on. But I heard somebody say this one time. If you're not willing to leave something as a success, then you're always forced to be a failure. Listen, we've got to take the things that God's done, set them to the side and say, okay, God, we're going to give you some new room to move. We're going to give you opportunity. We're going to give you an opportunity to move, and we're going to give you an empty jar to fill up. That's what Statesboro High School is. That's what the SHS Auditorium is. It's an opportunity for God to move. My question to you is, are you willing in your individual life to say, okay, God, here's an empty jar, fill it up. Use me, God. I don't want to dwell on the things you've done in the past. I want you to use me. I want you to do things that I can't do. Here's the thing that so many of us need to recognize. Your past successes and your past failures do not define you. God does. God does. And when we recognize that and we begin to move forward, we we can see God do incredible things. But so many times either our successes or our failures are what defines us and not God. How many of you have ever been around a bunch of guys who played sports in high school? And they're like 35, 40 years old now, right? What do they talk about? The glory days. And, And you know, I'm just guilty. I get with guys that I played ball with, that's all we do is tell old stories. But you know, at some point, you got to move forward, right? I believe the best days are ahead. I don't think we have to dwell in the past to try to find glory because I believe God is the one who's glorious and he's the one that if we'll keep our eyes on him, we can keep moving forward. I'm not telling you you can't talk about your old stories, but what I want you to see is that if we'll take big steps of faith, we're going to give God big opportunity in our lives so that the best days are yet to come. We don't have to depend on what happened in the past. Be it good or bad, Jesus set us free from the past so that we can move forward in glory and take hold of what he took hold of us for. It's to help bring other people to Christ. So we're going to continue to do that. Listen, verse 5. She left him and afterwards she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. She left him and afterwards... She went behind closed doors and she started pouring the oil. How many of y'all think she might have felt a little bit stupid? All right, guys. She comes back to her kids. All right, kids, this is what we're going to do. I got a good plan. I'm going to save you. God has spoken to me. What we're going to do is take that little bit of oil. You're going to go get all these jars, bring them back, put them down. I'm going to fill them up and then we'll be okay. But you know what she was willing to do? She went behind closed doors and she did what? She did what God told her to do. Are you willing to do what God tells you? Are you willing to take a step of faith so that God can do what he wants to do in your life? Are are we willing to do what he tells us to do so that he can do what he wants to do? Right? That's like, that sounds like Dr. Seuss wrote that, but... But are you willing to do what God's telling you to do? Are you willing to take that next step of faith? Maybe God's been pulling on your heart to surrender your life to him. Maybe it's one of those things where you keep thinking, well, maybe there'll be a better time. There's no better time. 
Maybe there's something God's been tugging at you to try to get you to do in your spiritual journey. And you know the next step is baptism. You know the next step is a connect group. You know the next step is serving. And you're just sitting back going, I don't know. I'm just not sure. Are you willing to do what God's telling you to do? Because if you'll take a big step of faith and give God, he'll give God a big opportunity to do incredible things in your life. You got to realize people, look. The jar, the step of faith, the thing you're going to do is not your source. God Almighty is the source. And if you are held by God, then why would we fear anything? If we're held by God, why would we care? Why would we worry about it? Because we're held by God. And so we can take these big steps of faith and we cannot worry about what's coming down the pipe. You know, the thing I love about God is this. He loves to use empty things for his glory. He loves it. He loves to use empty things for his glory. He used a bunch of jars with a little bit of oil for his glory. And the thing I would tell you is this. If you're in a place where you feel like something in your life is empty, you're in a good place because it's opportunity for God to show off. It is opportunity for God to move. Just place that jar before him. Listen, if your marriage seems empty, If your marriage seems like, man, there's a void, then put it before God and let him fill it up. If you feel like your past has drained you and you can't move forward, put it before God. Let him fill it up. If you feel like, you know, my life is just empty, there's nothing there. Put that before God and let him fill it up. Because I can tell you this, God will blow your mind. God will blow your mind. What is empty in your life? Set it before God so that he can fill it up and he'll use it to glorify himself. But set it before him and ask him to fill it up. At that same verse, one of the things that that I really believe in this scripture, and and I don't think it's coincidence, I believe it was designed by God, is it says that she was pouring oil. Well, oil is represented representative or symbolic in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic of, of, of God's Spirit moving. And she's pouring out that oil. And you know what? God gave it in abundance, didn't he? He just gave it in abundance. And the thing that I realize with us people is God wants to give his Spirit freely. He wants to fill our lives freely. And you know this, when you begin to resemble Christ, people are going to want to know what's different about you. When you begin to exhibit the characteristics of God, people are going to want to know what's different about you. When you begin to have peace in circumstances when you should not have had peace, people are going to want to know what's different about you. And when we begin to set our lives in front of a holy God, He pours out His Spirit. His Spirit. God himself, his spirit into our lives. It is going to overflow into the people's lives around us and they are going to also be changed. You can't resist it. You cannot, when you are thirsty, somebody puts a bottle of water in front of you, you are going to drink it. People are thirsty. And as God opens their eyes and reveals to them their need for him, he's gonna, he's, he is going to begin to make himself known to them. And so you and I, the only thing we've got to do, man, is listen, we've just got to go to God, give him our empty jars, and begin to let him fill those. Listen to this. Verse 6 and 7. This is probably my favorite part. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left, 
Then the oil stopped flowing. Just a point here. When did the, when did the oil stop? When did the Holy Spirit quit? When did, the, when did the oil stop flowing? When she didn't have any more jars, right? Problem for us is when our jars get full and we won't give him another one to fill up. He get, we're not given opportunity. God has chosen to work and use you and I for his glory. We've got to continue to give him opportunity and room to move in our lives. It goes on in verse 7, and it says this. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So she goes, she fills up all these jars, and then she goes back and she says, Listen, they're all full. And he says, Okay, here's the deal. This is what you can do. Take those jars. Take those jars. Go sell them. Pay off your debt, and then live off of what's left. If I'm that woman at that point in time, I'm going, why didn't I get more jars? Why didn't I get more jars? I mean, seriously, I could, I could have had more money. You know, the awesome thing about Jesus is this. He not only paid your debt, but he said, now you can have life. He says, go and live off of what you made off of this. Go sell it and then you'll have life. You can live now. Go and sell it. But here's the thing that I don't want to do. I'm not willing to do it. You need to understand this about me. I am not willing to get to the end of my life and look back and say, oh, if I'd given him another jar. I'm not doing that. We're going to go as fast and as, as hard as God leads us to go. And when he provides an opportunity and we see an empty jar, we're going to put it before him. And we're going to say, God, fill this thing up because we know there are people who need to know you. We're not going to get to the end of this run of of, of Connection Church. And and, and when I'm 95 and I retire and, and we get to this point where we look back and go, my goodness. What if we given him another opportunity? And here's my challenge to you. Don't do that yourself either. Don't look back and think, man, if I'd only surrendered my life to him sooner. I've had so many people come in my office and go, I wish I hadn't wasted so much time. What's the empty jar he's calling you to put in front of him? What's the step of faith he's calling you to take? What is it he's wanting to do through you and in you so that you can impact other people's lives for the kingdom? Because we don't need to get to the end of our lives and go, what if we had given him? Another empty jar. What would have happened? How much would he have poured out if we had been willing to give it to him? Let's pray.